0: has to be some common sense. Yes,
1: sir, they have the car stopped in 10 and the branch We
0: still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff, a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD, retired as a sergeant at a Manhattan North Homicide Squad. Today, I'm reporting on a case out of Henrietta, Oklahoma, which is sort of a horrific case, and and it didn't um, maybe initially attract so much news, but there's so many failures in this case from... You know, right from the beginning, the 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 uh, protagonist in this case, you might say, is uh, a, a guy named Jesse McFadden, age thirty-nine, a convicted rapist, and this is where the story begins and ends. And and just really, uh, when I say begins and ends, just horrific. You see up on the screen; these are the. Uh, these well, uh, excuse me, these aren't the people that lo- all lost their lives. The ones that lost their lives are right here: uh, Riley Elizabeth Allen, Michael James Mayo, Tiffany Dorr Guess, Holly Guess, who was the wife of Jesse McFadden, uh, married to him for one year, and Ivy Webster and Brittany Brewer, two young ladies, 14 years old, who were invited over this household for what was. Supposed to be a slumber party, and it became something much, much worse than that. And it's just horrific what occurred here. Uh, police that investigated the Oklahoma property were a sex offender who was, of course, Jesse McFadden. He gunned down his wife and five teens before killing himself. Uh, last week they failed to find the police, failed to find bloody clothing. Uh, but they did find bones and other horrifying things at the scene. The gruesome findings littered the Henrietta property after convicted rapist Jesse McFadden killed his wife, Holly Holly Guest, 35, her three children and two teenage friends, before turning the gun on himself at the Henrietta property. You know, as according to the New York Post, nothing can prepare anyone for what we had to find. A tearful Wyatt said in an interview with News Nation's Ashley Banfield. Um, This is the relative of uh, uh, Miss Guest. Wyatt said she and her other traumatized relatives came across bloody children's clothes, a mysterious ledger, binders of disturbing pictures, and other objects that police missed during their search. We found bones. We found other things. The other family members came. The police came. We found a lot of horrifying things. I mean, horrifying things is just a—you uh, can't even imagine the things that they found here. This was like a a, uh, a sex offender's dungeon here, which was so horrific. And I think that I, to. to Get perspective on this. I'm going to play some video of what the the local news people found here. And as I said, uh, if you don't have a stomach for this, this is a horrific case. And I'm going to play this news report right now.
2: Oklahoma, seven bodies found on a rural property. We're learning more about what may have led up to this. How did police come across seven bodies after what started as a search for two teams, let's bring you this update from earlier today in Oklahoma.
3: Is everybody ready? Good afternoon. My name is Joe Prentice and the spelling is J-O-E-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E I am police chief for the city of Oatmulgee and I also command the District 25 Violent Crime Task Force. With me is Carol Iski, our district attorney who sponsors the Violent Crime Task Force and Sheriff Eddie Rice, who um, was one of the reporting agencies when this investigation started. I've got a brief statement uh, that I'll read and then I'll open it for questions and answer questions, the questions that I can. As you know, Ivy Webster was reported missing to the Oklahoma County Sheriff's Office, and Brittany Brewer was reported missing to the Henrietta Police Department on Monday morning. I received a request shortly after to uh, activate the Violent Crime Task Force. The task force began the investigation, and as part of that, obtained a search warrant for the property on Holly Road. Because of the extremely large size of the property, we requested assistance from the OSBI. During the search... The bodies of seven individuals were recovered. All were sent to the medical examiner for autopsies and those examinations have been completed. Scientific identification has been obtained on all seven of the individuals and I have information regarding their injuries. That being said, it is important to remember that all of this information is extremely preliminary and no official reports from the medical examiner's office have been issued. The injuries include ivy webster suffered one gunshot wound to the head Brittany Brewer suffered one gunshot wound to the head Riley Allen suffered one gunshot wound to the head Tiffany Guess suffered two gunshot wounds to the head Michael Mayo suffered two gunshot wounds to the head Holly McFadden suffered three gunshot wounds to the head and Jesse McFadden appears to have shot himself in the head. I'm assisting the violent crime task force with the search, the crime scene and the investigation were the following agencies, the Monkey County Sheriff's Office, the Henrietta Police Department, Henrietta Fire Department, OSBI, ATF, and-
0: you know, folks, you can't even imagine uh, a crime scene this horrific. And one of the things, it's easy to, of course, everyone wants the Monday morning quarterback now, but there were some real, real problems here. My biggest problem here is what was Jesse McFadden doing out of prison? He was convicted of rape first degree in, I believe it was 2003, and sentenced to an excess of 20 years. The first report I read was he was sentenced to 28 years however during in 2017 he was still in prison and he was texting photos through a cell phone i don't know how a prisoner has a cell phone that's part of our you know our kindly gentler uh penal system we have and he was texting out sexually explicit uh photographs to a minor That in itself is, that's a felony, obviously. And for someone who's in prison, it's a mockery of the whole system. So he was never tried for that, apparently. And of course, there's enough blame to go around um, for everyone. But let's say he did get out of prison. Why were the neighbors in the community not notified that they had a convicted sex offender a pedophile in their midst. Why were they not notified of that? That's horrific. We in this, in this country, we deserve much better than what our government is giving us. They take for granted that these prisoners that do their time, or they paid their debt to society, but there's still a huge threat to society. And that cannot be denied. But these politicians, they have their own agenda And this is a horrific, horrific case. And, you know, we'll get more into this because I've never seen such a horrific job by a police department in my life in regards to this crime scene. Just, I don't know what they were thinking. I have no idea how they abandoned this crime scene and they left extremely important evidence there. And not just that, they did not do an extensive... How do we know that this guy, Jesse McFadden, Is it a serial killer? How do we not know that he may have other bodies buried on this property? How do we not know or how don't we know that he could have other victims even within that house or buried, secreted in that house? A very, very lackadaisical crime scene. So just, I mean, what occurred here is just horrific. And these are the two girls That apparently, Ivy Webster and Brittany Brewer, they were invited over this house by, I guess, one of the daughters is their age, for a sleepover slash slumber party. Here are some of the other individuals here, uh, and obviously only two showed up, that were also invited. Can you imagine how horrific this could have been? It was already ridiculously horrific. but. If some of these other children would have shown up. Just ridiculous. And there, there's a Jesse McFadden on the screen. Just just horrific, this this whole situation. Let me play some more of the file tape.
3: And the Muscogee Nation AG's office. And um, that concludes my statement. I will answer any questions that I can.
4: Chief, when do you believe that these killings happen?
3: I don't know. Um, based on the investigation, we believe that the girls were spotted in Henrietta on Saturday night. Beyond that, I can't tell.
5: Were the victims found in one spot? No. Whereabouts were
3: they found? Ivy, Brittany, and Riley were found separately. Pro-
0: you know, I think these are some of the questions that perhaps. Um, this law enforcement officer uh, shouldn't be answering. The press doesn't need to know this. This makes it just even more horrific for the family members listening to this. But I don't know why he's answering these inquiries by the press in, in public, in a public press conference.
3: Approximately 150 to 150 yards apart from each other and approximately a quarter of a mile southeast of the McFadden residence do
4: we think
2: they ran away
3: I don't have any evidence to indicate that but I there's no way to know
4: and the other two victims
3: well there's more than just two more um, the other four decedents were found together approximately 450 500 yards east and a little bit south of where the three girls were found and they were all together
2: was anyone able to call 911.
3: As far as I know, there was no 911 call made.
4: And do we believe that all these killings happened around the same time?
3: I don't have any evidence to indicate otherwise. Chief, what led you guys to getting that search warrant? Because Danny's office was there immediately with you guys when you guys were doing that. Was there? You guys got to the property that morning because he was the person you were looking for, and stumbled across something, and then back out like normal and, and asked for a search warrant. A bit, something very similar. That that morning. Um, deputies and task force members went out to the property in an effort to see if there was anyone there um, while at the property they got no response at the door and they observed what they believed was a freshly disturbed area of dirt um, in the yard or the curtilage area around the residence they came back and reported that and we got a search warrant for the residents and the property
4: Have well, you
3: no, I'm sorry, one at a time. Very
4: similar questions. Have you traced back this gun and how did McFadden get the gun and what kind of firearm
3: it was? We we did conduct an E-trace on the firearm. It was a 9-millimeter handgun, and it was purchased in January of 2022 by Holly McFadden.
0: You know, someone, uh, uh, Teresa B., uh, this was not a great investigation. You can see the amateurness of this investigation just by uh, this chief's presentation. Uh, These questions that the press are asking should not be answered right now. There is no immediacy to answering these questions. There's no immediate right for the press to have the answers to this stuff. I think he should have given this a break and uh, just told them the basic uh, information, but not the real deep internal, uh, you know, when where who how what and why's of this case that can be held back from the press.
1: When you were talking about disturbed dirt, are you talking about graves? Like
3: That's what the concern was when it was observed. We have since discovered that the property owner, who is not the McFaddens, the McFadden's were renting. The property owner had cleaned out a horse pen and had dumped that that uh, debris there. So they didn't see they didn't see a body and then back out. No. No, there weren't graves No, no. Do we believe Did, he executed? Did McFadden leave a note? I'm sorry. Did McFadden leave a note? No note was found. Do we believe that he executed them? I don't. I don't know that I would use the term executed. I believe that McFadden shot all of the other Do The victims have any defensive wounds or
0: anything? You know, folks. Again, uh, these questions don't have to be answered to the press. They're asking really. Uh, questions of this, this investigation that I perhaps should be kept in confidentiality right now. Um, if these victims were executed, you know, there is ways, the scientific ways to know that, uh, here's the pictures up on the screen, you know, uh, gunshot residue uh, on the wounds, tattooing from the muzzle of the gun, but is there a necessity right now for the press to know the answers to these questions? I don't think so. And I I don't know why the chief is entertaining this stuff. Um, it's, it's, It's a horrific crime scene. We all know that. We all know what occurred. Scott Wagner, I get that different departments have different training and that caseload does have a lot to do with it. But damn, if you aren't experienced enough in something, ask for help. Scott, 100%, they probably should have gotten... Uh, I think they did get the Oklahoma Bureau of Investigation was in on this. Perhaps they should have asked for help from the FBI because uh, we'll we'll find out later. They did a horrendous job on this crime scene and um, closing up the crime scene. A crime scene of this magnitude, of this size, of this amount of victims. How do you close the crime scene up without? Doing a search of the entire crime scene. Apparently, there was a lake on this property. Um, that probably should have been searched too. And I understand it was later on. It was, but doing stuff after the fact, after you get caught, doing an incompetent job is different than doing it correctly the first time. You know, in the book, um, Practical Homicide Investigation by uh, Vernon Gebeth, who was a squad commander in the NYPD. He says, do it right the first time because you rarely ever get a second chance to do it. So if you don't do it correctly the first time, it's not like you get a do-over. All right. So that's some of the things. And again, I'm going to go back to the chief listening to him answer these questions. I just shake my head.
3: I didn't observe any, um, I haven't had any reported to me from the medical examiner's office, but I would caution you and, and remind you that this information is extremely preliminary.
4: Any other trauma to the
3: body? One, one at a time.
0: Overall, what do you make of this situation? Family
3: members tell us they believe this person planned this. What do you make of this? I, don't, I, I guess you've never dealt with anything like this before. Um, several questions there. I follow the evidence. All right. And the evidence is that Jesse McFadden murdered six people and then killed himself. Beyond that, I don't know what his thought process
0: You know, it's difficult to uh, to really believe that this chief follows the evidence, since you'll see later on that so much evidence was left behind at the scene. Like, what were you following? You should have been not just following it, but you know, taking the evidence and having the evidence lead you to what your next step was going to be in this investigation. This guy's a horrific criminal, you know? Uh, It's, you know, I'm going to show you a little bit. This was actually on Banfield the other night. Um, She was, um, she had a family member of, of the victims and we're going to, they're going to show how they, the family goes into the crime scene. Like when, what type of criteria or what type of procedure would ever allow for the family members of the deceased to go into a crime scene? I've never heard of that. I've never seen it done in any jurisdiction in the entire world, but it was done in this one.
5: Be found. But how is it that you and your family were able to get back into that home and discover yet even more evidence?
4: On Friday, the landlord As we were planning the funeral, notified us that we had three days to get on the property or everything was going to go in a dumpster this Monday. We stopped the funeral and myself, Holly's godmother, and her godmother's daughter, just the three of us, went to the house. Um this is and we found five phones, we found a notebook ledger with the names. We just found other things, and that's the other family members come, the police came. Yeah. It, we we found a lot of horrifying things.
0: If the family goes back in there and finds five cell phones, what kind of search did the investigators do? What kind of processing of the scene did the crime scene detectives do? The answer is a very bad one. A very bad one. I mean, this is an amateur hour. This is supposed to be you're supposed to be a professional. How do you leave behind all of that evidence? Just horrific, horrific that this was done.
5: But I, Can you explain, Lynn, a little bit more about the ledger? Whose handwriting was it and what was in the ledger?
4: Just names and um, ages, like numbers. Um, I didn't know, recognize, but I knew it was something important. Um, it, we did turn over the police. Uh, the most probably disturbing evidence I found that day is I pulled the dresser out, and behind it was a towel with duct tape all around it, and I pulled it, and it was restraints velcro restraints unlike the other restraints which was laying all through the house this one was taped at the back of the dresser i asked the, sh- the deputy that was on the scene if he wanted it he said this is not an active crime scene it's solved if you don't want it put it in the-
0: you know that is so horrendous it's not an active crime scene it's solved what if there are more victims say victims that escaped from that location that can tell a tale, or ones that are missing that were last seen at that crime scene. Wouldn't this evidence help to identify potentially victims that never left that scene? How this officer could say the case is closed is is just, just horrific, just horrendous. I can't believe he's a law enforcement officer. The
4: dumpster.
5: And I begged. This him, is what the, wait, to... this is what the deputy told to you told to you over the weekend. You found additional restraints that very well could have had DNA of potentially I other victims him. on it.
4: So I, I begged him, please take this. I said, please take this. It's not like the chains; they weren't laid out. They were taped behind a dresser. He said, this this the victims are dead. The perpetrators dead. If you don't want them, ma'am, put them in the dumpster. I said,
0: look at that. That is horrificness personified. Restraints behind the bed that victims can be handcuffed to or tied to. I mean, and how that they they did not do a thorough... I mean, everything, every item, almost every item in this crime scene should have been swapped for DNA. Uh, missing people, you know, it's, it's beyond me. It's, you know, it, it's... It's like that, you know, we need national crime scene protocols that aren't just suggested, but that are enforced. Uh, The National Bureau of Justice, you know, we need national crime scene criteria, uh, because this is horrendous. This is absolutely amateur hour. And I can't, speak enough behind this how this is just horrific it just look look at this this was a torture chamber
5: I said why would why I did you end up him? doing with them i
4: i put him in a garbage bag and on that day we thought what we would do is get hire a private investigator um i hit him in the house and we left i was in fact i had told by the police i had to leave her he was going to arrest me when i asked for what he said for are not leaving i was like i have permission to be here <laughs> but we left and we returned the next day, and nothing nothing could prepare anyone for what we had to find.
5: Can you tell me a little bit more, Lynn, about what you found under the floorboards?
4: <laughs> um, the first set of clothes...
0: You know, folks, uh, just suffice it to say that this place was uh, basically a torture chamber. How, you know, as I said earlier on the show, how this, the neighborhood, the community, was not apprised of the fact that this guy was out, that this guy had uh, completed his term in prison, even though the prison screwed up too. Why did he get let out without having that other case? He should have never, if he was let out did he do his entire sentence because if he did not do his entire sentence this violation without even trying him could have violated his parole if in fact he was paroled so you know when we talk about the penal system and criminal justice system keeping safe the people that are out here the 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 citizenry this is a complete failure you know um it's just beyond horrific. This, this I'm going to show you the mother and father of uh, of Ivy, uh, and it's just it's so heartbreaking to see this type of stuff. But you know, it it, it lets hopefully this will prevent the next incident of some horrific, you know, murderer or sex offender getting out of prison early because some bleeding hearts feel bad for him.
4: It's too good to have this happen to her. Two
5: teens and five others found dead at a home in Henrietta.
0: She's gone.
4: They're all gone.
5: Tonight, the investigation and questions about why the suspected killer was even out of prison.
4: There's no reason why these monsters should be let loose to
1: harm innocent children.
5: And that is where we begin at 6 tonight we are learning two
6: of those teen girls who were killed were at the home for a sleepover
1: and family members say they've now been told the killer planned the murders. Family members of Brittany Brewer and Ivy Webster also say the alleged killer wanted to invite more girls over for the slumber party. Tonight they're talking to News Force Kaylee Olivas. She's in Henrietta with the latest.
2: All seven of those people have now been identified by loved ones. Five of those found on this Henrietta property Monday afternoon were kids between the ages of 13 and 17. Their families say now they want answers. They also feel like the justice system has failed them, that this crime could have easily been prevented.
4: I'm angry with the system. This is a man that had priors. He was a sex offender and he was let loose. On a sentence that he should have been in there longer.
2: 39-year-old Jesse McFadden pled guilty to first-degree rape and grand larceny in 2003. He was sentenced to 28 years in prison, but was released early. While behind bars, he was also caught with a cell phone he used to send naked pictures to a minor. He was supposed to be in court Monday morning for that, but never showed up. An Amber Alert then went out, claiming McFadden had taken off with two teenage girls, Ivy Webster and Britt.
0: You know, folks, if a... Level The highest level sex offender has a court date, has a court appearance. and doesn't show up. Shouldn't there be a law enforcement response to that? Like two law enforcement officers respond and go look for him to try to scoop him up off the street before something horrific happens like occurred here?
4: Brittany
2: Brewer.
0: We were scared. We just wanted to get our girl back.
2: And then came the conversation no parent wants to ever have.
4: She's gone. They're all gone. And I'm like, you're joking. I was like, he's like, no, they're, they're gone.
2: The family says among the seven bodies found were McFadden, his wife of less than a year, and his three stepkids. He wants to kill himself. Fine, kill yourself.
4: But why do a senseless act of killing everybody else?
2: The Webster family also sharing grim details of what law enforcement has told them so far.
4: I know he planned it. I found that out yesterday.
0: He planned the whole thing.
4: He was angry at the world and he didn't care who he hurt. I found out there was other girls that he wanted to have come
3: to.
2: Law enforcement also allegedly shared with Webster that at least three of the victims tried to escape, but McFadden hunted them down and killed them. The family says McFadden also called them Sunday night, telling them all is fine with their daughter.
5: I'm pretty
4: sure they were gone by that point.
2: Just over 24 hours later and hardly any answers. And these families are wondering where do they go from here? They do have one last message for Ivy and Brittany.
4: I love you, Brittany. And we truly miss you. You may be gone, but you'll never be forgotten. You're always in our hearts. She was too good to have this happen to her. In
2: Henrietta, Kaylee Olivas, Oklahoma's
4: News.
0: So heartbreaking, you know, to see the family members and um, helpless sitting by, standing by, helpless. Uh, and again, again, you know, the police are part of the government, you know. The criminal justice system is part of the government. So with saying that, do they they deserve blame for this? Well, somewhere in the criminal justice system, the ball was dropped here. This guy was as dangerous a criminal as you can get. uh, I, I guess it would be considered a level one sex offender. They're supposed to be tracked. They're not supposed to be living among everyday working citizens as if they're just good people you know and that's one of the dangers of our society right now you have a lot of these woke people don't understand that there is evil that there is dangerous people out there they think they you know just get this guy the right to vote you know we know which way he'll vote you know it's ridiculous these are dangerous dangerous individuals they must be tracked they must be reapprehended. and again the ball was dropped here. Look Look at this guy. A typical, you can even see he's a dope with his dopey looking ears, you know? It's like, there used to be a science years ago of studying what criminals look like. He looks like a criminal, you know? And I hate to uh, let my prejudice in regards to what criminals look like, but he does look like a criminal, you know? And people pay the price for allowing, look at those six individuals right there now that lost their life. Because of, you know, someone dropped the ball here, you know. And, you know, it's easy to blame law enforcement. But I believe when they deserve the blame, they should get the blame. And I believe in this instance, they deserve it. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you like real crime, true crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD. And most of the folks that we have on the show as co-hosts and guests, they're either from law enforcement or the, or the law profession, and we give our point of view and we listen to you too. That's one of the differences. Uh, if you're not subscribed to us, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. If you want to contribute to us financially, we have a Patreon with three different levels. and We also have a YouTube Channel memberships would count them five different levels, and we'd appreciate we appreciate all of our fans, our subscribers, and our friends that make police off the cuff the podcast uh, that it is. So I'm going to share again some more information from News Nation. Uh, they they have an FBI agent on. Not that you need an FBI agent to tell you that this crime scene was horrifically. Uh, messed up by the respondents. We want to move
6: to Oklahoma now, where we are learning more disturbing details surrounding a sleepover that turned into a massacre. Drugs and restraints are among the items that were found inside of the home of sex offender Jesse McFadden. Police say he shot and killed his wife, her three children and two of their teen friends before killing himself. Now, new video taken from inside of that house of horrors is giving investigators an idea of what McFadden may have done before these killings. We must warn you this video may be disturbing to watch. Give me
4: something
3: to grab. Oh, you take, take a picture.
5: Take pictures. No, right, so it's
3: on video. That's them. Hey, that's them. Okay.
1: So is
0: those drugs.
5: Those. <laughs> that's is that hers? Yep. Okay.
0: They find their daughter's cell phone within the crime scene. After the crime scene was released by the local law enforcement, that is pathetic. That is should never happen. That is disturbing. That is crime scene 101. That they left so much, so much evidence behind that it is disturbing. I think they all need to be retrained. Hold on, hold on, hold on.
5: Hold on. Call the sheriff. Yep. Don't touch them, don't yep. move them. Yep, yep.
6: Let's explain what you're looking at here. The families who lost their daughters in these shootings invited our Oklahoma affiliate station to view the scene with them. Within minutes, one of the girls' cell phones was discovered there.
0: Look, look at that scene. Look, it look, there's drugs. There's signs of a controlled substance on that tray. There's multiple sets of handcuffs, of restraints. There's gel. Uh, this was like a sexual torture chamber this place and all of these things you're seeing on the screen law enforcement felt they could just leave that behind that they didn't need to invoice that or to collect that or swab it for dna or do tests on the drugs to see what types of drugs. just how is that professional police work it's not is the answer
6: and they also saw sex drugged candy a bed frame with chain restraints bolted to it all of these items were found after the police released the crime scene i do want to bring in former fbi agent and news nation law and justice contributor jennifer coffin for more on this case it is so disturbing jennifer thank you for being here Thank you for having me, Natasha. How unusual is this, Jennifer? Police letting the parents of the victims into this house. They are waiting their way through this. They find one of the victims' cell phones. Is it normal for police to release?
0: Well, I'll answer that. It's not normal. It's ridiculous that, um, first of all, that the police released this crime scene. How was this the this crime scene completed? How was all the evidence collected when we're seeing cell phones, handcuffs? drugs and drug paraphernalia uh restraints uh did they search underneath the house Uh, did they search the entire property a very very amateurish search jeff b thank you for the ten dollar super sticker bill you are a sane voice in an insane world i hope so uh i agree with you in one thing it is an insane world and I, i think that um One of the big problems is 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 our perception uh, of what and who criminals are. Like it's like you know Hug a Criminal Day. That's not what this is about. These are dangerous individuals, and when they get released from prison, not jail, prison, where you have to be a convict, convicted of a felony, to go to prison, they should be monitored. This guy should never have been out of his parole officer's sight. This dangerous pedophile sex offender. And he's living free among the free people of this world. Just horrific.
5: To tow a top to bottom search of everything at that residence to determine exactly how this crime took place. They needed to take samples such as DNA, blood. They also needed to take all that computer evidence, uh, the cell phone evidence, it's really shocking to me. And what really bothered me more than anything was the response from the chief and one of the investigators in this when he was confronted by a uh, family and simply said, well, you know, the person's dead. That's, there's nothing more to learn. Well, there is so much more to learn, and it really pointed out
6: the incompetence about how this scene was handled. You know, Judging from this crime scene, do you believe that investigators could have found or may still find that more crimes have occurred in this home, that there are other victims beyond the six who perished?
5: Absolutely. When you look at Jesse McFadden's background and the way he uh, victimized people, even from his prison cell, the fact that he was involved in child pornography, people involved in child pornography often conduct that sort of business with others so there could be other people in this network how about all the other possible victims who could be could have been in there and been victimized they really need to dig deep at everything in that that house and and I hope they do with all this media coverage. Jennifer,
6: last question. I mean, what are the lessons learned here? Because I know the last time we spoke about this case, you were saying there are just systematic failures here, that this was a man already in prison for many years for a violent rape, that he actually broke rules while he was in prison. He had a cell phone smuggled in at that time trying to make contact with women, is that right? And that he was also um, actually-
0: You know, I have have a question. Why is someone in prison? Why do they have a cell phone? Who allows them to have cell phones? I thought that's against the rules of prison. Why would a convicted felon be allowed to have a cell phone? Isn't that the potential the ends of justice could be defeated by a convicted inmate having a cell phone in prison? Look, in this instance, he's committing other crimes using his cell phone. Why? Why does he have a cell phone? I want to know that. I wonder if someone could uh, could answer that. Uh, it's, it's just horrific. Uh, Karen settles. I am willing to bet there are more victims somewhere. Uh, no way all that stuff in the house was there for just this particular time. Karen, that's a, a very wise statement, and I have no doubt you're correct. Uh, it's it's there's no doubt that he has other victims, whether they're on that scene or they're living their lives somewhere else with just the horrific memory of this guy. Uh, it's it's um, it's just incredible. And yeah, how? I mean, first of all, one of the things I would do right away is I would, if I was the um, attorney general of this state. I would take this case away from this local police department. There's no way they could continue investigating this. They, they already did as Vernon, as Vernon Gebreth said, do it right the first time because you won't get a second chance. They so screwed this up that they shouldn't be allowed to even work it anymore because uh, they can't. This is incompetence. And and when the family was on the scene searching, like the, the statement that the, the guys made, oh, the case is solved. We don't need to uh, take any more. I mean, I'm just baffled. Like, where did they go to police school? Where did they get their education from? I don't know. Lula Morocco, thank you so much for the twenty dollars super sticker. And Lou is thanking me for covering this case. I thought about uh, covering this case, and I know it's probably um, again, Lou. Thank you so much for the twenty super sticker. Uh, it's a horrific case, but I think we needed to shed some light on it because it's. Um, It's horrible, you know, and and I think that in our society, we're seeing that in jurisdictions across the country, where you see an unwillingness of, you see an unwillingness of the penal system to keep dangerous offenders in prison. They look for every excuse on the face of the earth to release dangerous criminals into society. It's beyond me. It is totally beyond me. And uh, I I don't understand it. I just don't understand it at all. Let me play a little more of this.
6: Facing new charges for grooming a minor uh, when when this occurred, Um, he was due in court the same day that these bodies were discovered on his property.
5: And the question begs, why was he ever out on bond? He got a very small bond of only $25,000, which is $2,500. And that let him be free to victimize other people and to commit these horrible murders. So all of these system failures, and then you get to the point of just...
0: You know, I also want to say, and coffindaffer is right, what was he doing out? But another point is, say they take this huge chance on this guy and they do let him out. Why was he not being visited? Like you couldn't have a parole officer go into this house. They, they can go in unannounced. They don't need search warrants. They knock on the door, open the door. You don't open the door, you're going back. Right? So why didn't they go into this house and inspect this house? Explain what the hell is this? What's that? What we're seeing on the screen right now? What are those restraints behind the bed? What are they used for? Boom. Your parole is violated. You're going back to prison. Do not pass go. Do not get $50. You're going right back to prison, buddy. And that's my, what is the criminal justice system doing? Parole officers, what are they? I don't believe in parole anyway. But why are they, it's like our society preaches to regular working taxpaying citizens. Oh, criminals, we should, you know, what do they call it? The industrial prison complex. We need prisons. And guys like this guy, Jesse McFadden, belong in prison. And he just showed you why, why he belongs in prison. He just demonstrated it to the whole world.
5: Analyzing this crime scene and processing it, calling in the evidence response team to properly evaluate all that evidence there and instead you release it to the victim families for them to see that nothing's been done, it's just failure after failure.
6: And Jennifer, very last question in just about 10 seconds because we are out of time. Um, If this is a systematic failure, will anyone within that system likely ever be held accountable for this?
5: I would hope so. I think there's a possibility, at least with this chief and his department, on how this was handled because it is well known now and, and something has to change. Everyone needs retrained in that uh,
6: department. We appreciate your frankness as always, Jennifer Offer thank you.
0: You know, last year um, and I'm not remembering the name of the prisoner right now, but a in Texas, a prison inmate escaped from a prison bus. And if anyone uh, remembers his name, Uh, Gonzalo Lopez, Um, he escaped from a prison bus. It was the most incompetent police department and correctional officer I've ever saw. Someone helped this guy escape from chains on the bus, and then the two correctional officers that were on the bus, one of them had a shotgun. Somehow this guy overpowered one of them and got out of the bus and he's seen running across a field, and some empty suit from the local police department sees him run and doesn't even chase after the guy. I was like, that guy should be fired. Should be absolutely fired. Well, to make a long story short, a huge manhunt goes on for Gonzalo Lopez. And guess what happens while he's out? He kills a family of five, murders a family of five. He was laying for them in their hunting cabin. And the local police and the correction says, oh, it's safe to come back into the neighborhood. They never caught this guy. How was it safe? There is incompetence at all different levels across this great nation. And there has to be standards. I would like to know what happened to the correctional officers on that bus. What happened to the people that were in charge of Gonzalo Lopez? What happened to the local police department and the abortion of a search they did for that guy? resulting in him killing a family of five. These are the things we see across this country because, you know, law enforcement, you know, they they want to defund law enforcement. They don't want to fund it. They don't want to train people. They want to defund it. So like it's just it's just incredible the uh the crap that law enforcement has to deal with. It just Look, look at this. I mean, look at this case. It, it, it is unbelievable that a, a situation like this can occur and that failure after failure after failure. You saw some of that press conference with that chief. Why was he answering those questions from the press? That's another thing. Law enforcement seems to be brainwashed about what the press needs to know and what you need. You don't need to tell them anything. You know, you want to be transparent, let the mayor or the governor do that because they get paid the big bucks for that. Police department chiefs do not need to tell the press everything about a case. They absolutely don't. They can withhold things. What do you think that did to the poor family, hearing that their loved ones were shot in the back of the head or this person was shot twice or this person was shot three times? Why does the press need to know that? Uh, The answer is they don't
1: buster developments in that awful mass murder suicide that shocked the state and nation leading leaving seven people dead including five children.
5: Brittany Brewer, Ivy Webster, Tiffany Guess, Michael Mayo and Riley Allen all between the ages of 13 and 17 along with Holly Guess each shot to
1: death. Investigators have confirmed convicted sex offender Jesse McFadden killed those six victims then himself. Earlier this week, law enforcement released the home where the murders occurred, giving it back to the property owner. And as of Tuesday afternoon, there was no longer an active investigation at this location.
5: In an effort to figure out what led up to this horrific murder-suicide, the families of the victims have launched their own search for answers.
1: The parents of teenager Ivy Webster wanted to go through the crime scene, hoping they could find something that would explain what happened. Once the crime tape was removed from the home and the scene released by law enforcement, the family went inside.
5: They left yesterday.
1: You
0: know, folks. Uh, first of all, uh, the family should never be going into the crime scene, whether the crime scene is active, released, or it's all. They shouldn't be uh, unless it's released much and uh, much longer of a time frame than this to the owner of the property. But you see what happens when the family went into this crime scene. Well, one good thing occurred is that they saw what a horrific job law enforcement did with the search and what a horrific job they did with the processing of the evidence. They did a horrendous job. And in that way, but that's against all kinds of crime scene protocols, the family members going into the crime scene. You think the crime scene is now contaminated? Well, they weren't protecting the crime scene, so... Clearly, in their mind, it didn't matter.
5: Yesterday, devastated by what they found, News force Kaylee Olivas was with the family the entire time she has this News 4 exclusive.
2: We do want to warn you, the images you're about to see from inside the home are disturbing. It was hard to watch Ivy's family as they discovered what they believe is crucial evidence that was left behind by law enforcement. In a matter of minutes, they found their own daughter's cell phone tucked away in a cabinet, and that was just the beginning. Now they're wondering whether law enforcement dropped.
0: You know, what level of a treasure trove of information is their daughter's cell phone? Incredible. There could be texts on there Her begging for someone to help her. There could be all kinds of information on that cell phone, pictures, uh, messages. And law enforcement felt that it wasn't important to take it. I mean, you know, just, just beyond beyond me.
2: The ball.
4: We can't have parents go through. I'm
3: angry. This should have never happened.
2: His daughter Ivy was only 14 years old when Jesse McFadden murdered her. Okmulgee police say Ivy died from a gunshot wound to the head. Her family has zero answers, couldn't say goodbye, and has no closure. So now they're looking for it.
4: I feel that my daughter, even right now, is standing behind me, telling me, keep going, keep doing this. Phone or phone
0: case.
2: Thursday afternoon, News 4 was invited by Webster and his family to take a closer look at where his daughter took her last breath. Behind these walls, the family found sex and bondage devices. In one of the bedrooms were restraints bolted into the bed frame. There was also a shelf filled with books about witchcraft. Ten feet away in the kitchen, another restraint with chains and locks still attached. Although there were reportedly four bodies found in this home, we didn't see any bloodstains, no blood splatters. In the back room, the most shocking find of it all crucial items that had not been collected. That's them. All-
1: hey, that's them. Okay, that's hers? That yep. Okay.
2: Call the sheriff. Yep. Don't touch them. Don't yep. move them. Ivy Webster.
0: Listen to the family taking great care to identify and hold this evidence for the sheriff to come back to collect. I mean, here they are. They're, they're civilians, and they're taking great crime scene care to process this correctly. And law enforcement didn't give a shit less to take this stuff. Unbelievable.
2: Her cell phone was tucked away in a laundry room cabinet, along with two other cell phones and two laptops. In the same room, syringes, what appears to be drug residue, and various items the family believes was used to torture their daughter before she was murdered. None of it collected by law enforcement until this family called the Ocmulgee County Sheriff's Office and asked them to come back to the home and retrieve these items. There you go. Pictures were snapped, and the items finally collected, but not without a brief explanation as to why it hadn't
4: been done before. I want more done. The problem
3: is we don't know what else to do.
0: Can you believe that statement? The problem is we don't know what else to do? Then do it. You should be in a different profession then. You don't know what else to do. What happened to your department's training budget? Is that your answer to the parents of a, of a victim of a horrific murder? The problem is you don't know what else to do. Then you should be fired.
3: Like, there's a story to be told here. Right. We don't know what happened. We don't exactly. know what else to do. I'm going to say and this. we don't have the only person that can tell us what happened, is dead, but we can
0: try to. Pee. So the only person that could tell him what happened is the the perp, dude. You got to be kidding me. No, what can tell you what happened is the evidence and different types of evidence that you could find there DNA evidence, cell phone evidence, videos, pictures, restraints, handcuffs, torture devices, gel. <laughs> that's all telling a story. Dude, you, you're in the wrong profession. And together.
1: I want to say this was not done right. I well, No
3: crime scene. They are open to any suggestions,
0: y'all. They're open to suggestions, dude. If you need suggestions from the parents of the deceased, you're again, you're in the wrong profession. They shouldn't be telling you what to do. You should be a professional and tell them what you did and be proud of what you did. If you're proud of this work, again,
1: they didn't do their job, and the whole world's going to know it. What what would this accomplish?
3: I'm a grieving parent that my daughter got raped and murdered. And you're telling me right now that I don't have a right to know what happened. The story's right here is look
0: right. at that. He's telling them the story's right here. He's so right. Right. The sto- the crime scene is telling the story. How come he can't see that you're a police officer. The crime scene tells the story
4: right here. And it's still
2: sitting here still disgusted with the investigation into his daughter's murder he only saw more uncollected evidence on his walkout another phone in the top drawer of a nightstand several computer towers and a check made out to a local storage company still sitting in plain sight
0: i'm upset that check made out to a local storage company obviously every amateur sleuth out there listening to this show is going to say well I want to go to that storage facility and see what is being stored there. Investigation 101. Everyone that's listening to this show is saying, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to that storage facility. I'm going to see what they have stored there. The least you could do. Healing,
4: trying to heal. Still confused. Still a lot of answers that need to be given
2: we've spent the day trying to find out why the cell phones, the laptops and other evidence was left behind. We were told by a sheriff's investigator in Okmulgee County that they were only responsible for searching the property, not the house. He said the house was the sole responsibility of the OSBI. Well, the OSBI confirms its investigators were in the house, but they tell us those investigators were only providing assistance to the Okmulgee Police Department. Today, neither the Okmulgee Police Department nor the sheriff's office, nor the DA's office would comment for this story. The OSBI did issue a statement saying, quote, the OSBI will continue to support and assist our law enforcement partners and grieve with the families of this horrible event. The investigation is still ongoing.
0: All right, Kay. Very sad folks, very sad. You know, we have this situation where obviously law enforcement did not do their job. And on the screen, Uh, rest in peace, Riley Elizabeth Allen, Michael James Mayo, Tiffany Dorgess, and Holly Guess, who is the mom of those three uh, children, and Ivy Webster, her father was the gentleman with the uh, long beard we saw in the video, and Brittany Brewer. Uh, You know, may they all rest in peace. But again, we hate to see this when um, law enforcement obviously – did not do a very good job. And uh, it's it's just a, a horrific situation. And then you know, when they try to pass the buck and say, oh, it wasn't our responsibility, it was so-and-so's responsibility. You know, uh, I think that's um, that's disgusting. You know, it's, it's really horrific that um, they're trying to pass the buck. Who's going to take responsibility for this case? To me, this case is not over. I mean... There is a treasure trove of evidence in that location. Could it potentially lead to other victims? One hundred percent. Who listening to this podcast would be surprised to hear uh, that that there was a, there is another victim or several victims, numerous victims? Would anyone be surprised at that? I don't think so. I think we'd all maybe even expect it. That does other victims. So one of the first things law enforcement should do, besides process this crime scene correctly, is get a message out there through the media. Anyone with the picture of that, that savage, right? The pi- the picture of the perp, the upper left there with the, the dumbo ears, this idiot, they should put his picture out there. If anyone else has been victimized by this this individual, this individual, Jesse McFadden, this convicted sex offender, rapist, actually, a prison inmate. If anyone else has been a victim of this individual, contact this police department. That's the very least that they should be doing for their community, for closure, for people that may have been victimized by this guy. The second thing they must do is investigate this case thoroughly it's not closed cuz the perp is dead it's not closed cuz he killed six people the investigation's just beginning you know it's not over the post incident investigation is just as important as the pre incident investigation all right it's so so important and for them to i just i cannot stomach the uh the reaction of the police department. Oh, what would that accomplish? What would it accomplish? Dude, you're an investigator. I shouldn't have to tell you, they shouldn't be asking the father of the deceased, what would this accomplish? I mean, just, if they have to tell you that again, I hate to keep saying this, you're in the wrong profession. Folks, if you're looking for a great attorney in the New York metropolitan area, then Joe Murray is your man. Joe is a retired NYPD police officer and a top defense attorney in the New York metropolitan area. You can reach Joe on his cell phone at 718-514-3855. You can email him at joe at jmurray-law.com. He has a website, jmurray-law.com. Joe is not only an outstanding attorney, but a huge and great friend of the Police Off the Cuff podcast. we want to thank Joe for all he's done for this show. So, folks, I, I just, you know, I, I sometimes don't cover cases like this because um, Mary Michael, Sergeant Billows was is really a tough episode to watch, but I thank you for bringing attention to this horrendously careless police work. Hopefully, this will wake up any real law enforcement officers to jump on this case. Well, I think that, unfortunately, either the um, Oklahoma Bureau of Investigation or the FBI should be brought into this case. Apparently, the Oklahoma Bureau investigation has already been on this case, but p- perhaps they should be assigned this case because um, the ball was dropped big time. Uh, in a huge way, it was dropped, and we can't be sure that it'll, someone will pick it, pick it up and, uh, and run with it. Uh, Linda Piat, the investigators sound not just lazy, Linda. They sound much worse than lazy. They sound incompetent. Let's use the word Uh, Rick Borgia. uh, Rick, thank you for your, Sergeant. You should be in charge of that investigation. Rick, you know something? Because of you, actually, you uh, asked me if I would cover this case. And uh, I don't always grant people's wishes, but I I, I saw this case, and um, I thought it needed uh, a little bit of a light uh, shined upon it. Uh, You know, and, and I don't like to... I'm the last person in the world that wants to beat up law enforcement. Um, but when they deserve it, I will do so. And I will um, I will criticize law enforcement. Again, I don't always like to. You know, we've spoken about different cases and uh, protocols throughout this nation. And when we see uh, some of the way some law enforcement agencies operate, We're baffled and just say, oh, my God, that shouldn't happen. Or we'll see a a law enforcement agency like Memphis uh, on the Eliza Fletcher case that did an unbelievably competent job. Uh, The Memphis, uh, the campus police, the FBI, uh, the Memphis, I think it was the Bureau of Investigation, they did an incredible job on that Eliza Fletcher case. If you don't, guys aren't familiar with that case, it was a young mother who was out jogging at 4.30 in the morning past the university, and some savage, another paroled uh, prison inmate, grabbed her off the street, attempted to rape her, and she fought back, so he shot her in the head and killed her. They had that perp in such a fast time, and he was identified, so I salute Law enforcement agencies like that, that just, they show, they make you proud to be in law enforcement. And we show the capabilities when law enforcement puts their best foot forward, their capabilities are incredible. And there's nothing they can't do. So, folks, again, this was a little bit of a dark case today, but we have to cover these cases. And um, I want to thank everyone today that tuned in and listened to my rants. Uh, you know, I get a little um, upset at some of these when you see the way some of these municipalities investigate these horrific cases. And clearly uh, clearly in this case, they did not do a very good job. And then when they got caught not doing a very good job, they made a lot of excuses. So folks, again, thank you so much for, for listening. Um, we're going to be on Thursday night. We have an interesting case for Thursday night and uh, we're going to have like a, a therapist uh, on, on our show that um, has the um, has her own podcast and uh, she's going to be brilliant because she's going to be entertaining. Her name is Anna Marklin and she has her own podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about trauma uh, OCD coping and grieving and we're going to connect them to the the Idaho case as well as the Alec Murdoch case. So folks again thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day. God bless
1: one episode. Just